Good morning. And uh, good morning online. And uh, so excited we got the tent back in action this week. It had a little problem in Snowmageddon. <laughs> but it's back. I hope there's some folks out there. I tell you what, uh, as I was singing that song, I thought the, the older I get, the more meaning that song uh, takes on for me. Uh, many of you may know that uh, my mom died two weeks ago. And um, I tell you what, those words and the truth that we just sang uh, is so comforting, so reassuring, and uh, it really does take the sting out of death. And uh, had a sweet time uh, in Oklahoma celebrating with our family, celebrating my mom's life. She was an amazing woman. And, uh, and yet, at the same time, just grieving the loss. And uh, it is. She was just about to turn 81. But it doesn't really matter how old they are, right? It's just a loss. And I'm uh, excited we've got our family in, uh, in Murfreesboro this weekend. So we get to do a, a round two together. And so, so thankful for that. And I really appreciate the amazing outpouring of love and encouragement, prayer, kindness from you. Um, from those online, uh, man, it was just just a sweet gift that I don't take for granted. Very, very uh, appreciative of that and needed that. Um, it's interesting, we're in week two of this series, Deep Roots 2.0, and some of you may know all about that. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Hopefully by the end of this morning, you'll know what we're talking about. But walking through my mom's death and all that I experienced while I was in Oklahoma actually gave me a fresh perspective on what we're talking about today. Uh, the reason I say that is I did my mom's memorial service at the church that I very first went to as a little toddler. That was 45 years ago. And it struck me that the presence of a church in a community means more than probably any of us can imagine. Because it was at that church that I was first given the idea that there was a God, that he actually loved a kid like me and wanted me in relationship with him. And now here I am, 45 years, standing in front of a church, talking about how good he is, how kind he has been. So... Um, I felt so welcomed in that church, and I thought about guests in our church. And if you're a guest, either here or online, I hope you feel as welcomed here as I did there 45 years ago. And then if Fellowship Bible Church is your home church, I hope you understand, I cannot overstate this, how significant your presence, our presence our openness to people coming and seeing us do life. I just can't overstate the significance of that. I hope that you understand. This isn't just an association. This isn't just a hobby. This isn't just something that we do to be nice or moral or whatever. Like This is life transforming. It was for me. And I hope that it is for you. The mission of the church matters. And no church 
Every church will tell you what their mission is, but no church gets to decide that just for themselves. Jesus Christ actually gave his church their mission. And he didn't have a discussion about it. He didn't take a poll. He didn't ask for everybody's feedback. He just said, hey, church, this is what you're going to be about. Two simple words. Make disciples. Make disciples. Introduce people to the Savior, and then help them, equip them to spend the rest of their life getting to know him, committing themselves to follow him, and then turning around and helping somebody else do the same. Here we say it's cultivating connected followers of Christ. That's just our way of saying make disciples. So everything that we do, literally everything that we do, is about that end, cultivating connected followers of Christ. Now, about a year ago, we, with that following idea in mind, we said, hey, church, you know, we need to think about finding and following God's lead in a new season. And we said that was a season of expansion. Jeff did a great job last week talking about what that meant And it meant an expansion in our lives, and it meant an expansion in our physical facility here on our campus. And so we began this journey. We called it Deep Roots. And just as an aside, if if you really don't know a lot about what's going on there, you can go to our website, click on Deep Roots, and it's all there. All of our messages, uh, our brochure, there's a prayer guide there, all kinds of great resources to help you kind of get on board with what that means. But as I thought about it, it's a, it's a year later. So interesting, Kevin talking about the Sunday that we said, hey, we're not having live gatherings today. That was the Sunday that we were supposed to come and kind of make our commitments to this project financially. That was the Sunday. And uh, looking back now, I'm like, Wow. That, that's amazing. We had a lot of hard questions to ask and answer in those days. But here we are a year later, and here's what struck me as I thought about this journey that we're on. It's in your outline. Next steps can be as or more challenging than first steps, right? Now, first steps are hard to take, right? You're like, you're man, like wow, I'm going to go in a, in a whole new direction, I'm going to have a whole new set of priorities. I'm going to go somewhere I've never gone before. That's that first step. But you know what I found is as I take that step and then I start walking, I can get complacent. I can get apathetic. I can just get kind of casual and coast. And so then there's all these next steps. And sometimes it's hard to take those because they feel like first steps. So today, I want to kind of get at next steps with us. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what next step do you want me to take on this journey with this community of faith? What do you have for me today? Now, oftentimes those next steps are created by, or the need for a next step, by problems. And It's always been true of the church. So if you read the book of Acts, 
which is really the history of the early church, its birth and its inauguration, like all of that, and then its formation, you get to see this unfolding story of the body of Christ. And they had a problem in Acts 6. Now, prior to that, we need to know that literally thousands of people were joining the church. I, I can't imagine having trying to lead that. Just every day, it's something new. Something's happening somewhere, and it's at a scale that those folks could not have imagined. And so in Acts 6, we come to this problem that was facing the church. Um, there were a group of widows, Hellenist widows. Now, Hellenist widows, that would have been Greek-speaking Jews. So in the church, there were Greek-speaking Jews and Hebrew-speaking Jews. So the Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. And they said to the Hebrew speakers, hey, our widows are being neglected. There was a daily distribution that was made to help anyone in the community that had need of any kind. And widows, of course, would have some of the greatest needs of all. And they said, our widows are being neglected. Now, why do you think that was happening? Because thousands of people are joining the church every day. I mean, it's like overwhelming. And so it, they got neglected. So thank heavens, this group of people came and said, we got a problem. And, and probably attached to that, they're saying, we don't really care how fast we're growing. We can't neglect these ladies. And so the leaders did something crazy. They pulled together. They thought about what they were supposed to be doing. And they said, we got to change. We've got to expand. So here's what they did. Acts 6.3. They said to the group, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they just created this whole new, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, created a whole new group of leadership within the church to take care of those widows. It was a season of expansion, and they made a very important adjustment. Now, just imagine if they hadn't have done that. How do you think the Hellenist Jews would have responded if the leaders said, hey, sorry, I, like we're real busy, and we don't really have time to expand we're just going to keep doing things the way we do them because so far, I mean, it's worked. No, they just said to everybody, we're going to change. We're going to expand. We're going to allow God to do something with us in terms of our influence that we didn't have to do earlier, but we have to do now. So that's the problem of the early church. Look what happens in Acts 6-7. The word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. They were willing to expand, make room in their lives for the mission of God, and God expanded their influence. Now let's fast forward to 2020, Fellowship Bible Church. We had a problem. Ours was a physical facility problem. We were, as we said, with the potted plant. Our roots were bumping into the edges, and we were feeling that every single Sunday where people are coming, potentially adding to the body of Christ. And yet they walk in the door, and there's like no room for them. It's like, I, I, I guess I can't come here. I'll go find someplace else. 
So we said, we can't do that. We got to make an adjustment. So we began to prayerfully think about how do we expand in our lives and on our campus so that we can make room for the mission of God. Now, I do want to remind us that though ours wasn't neglected widows and adding um, another level of leadership, ours was a physical thing. This isn't just some kind of transaction. This wasn't just accounting or construction or whatever. This is missional, and more importantly, it's transformational. And it doesn't just transform our facility or our campus, it transforms us. So this is a discipleship journey. Just like it was for the early church, it is for us. I love uh, what D.A. Carson says about transformation. He said, where the gospel takes root, it is demonstrated in transformed living. Where the gospel takes root, it is demonstrated in transformed living. Living. So what does that transformation look like? Or what has it looked like? Or perhaps not. Here's some things that came to my mind. I think there's a shift. When the gospel takes root, there's a shift from self-centeredness to greater Christ-centeredness. It's the idea that we just sang about where he's king over all. Each of us individually and over heaven. Another shift is away from self-reliance to greater dependence upon God. It's just a simple thing of saying, I'm not going to look to myself first to meet my needs. I'm going to look to him. And I'm going to make that more and more and more of a habit. I think there's a shift away from accumulation to a mindset of stewardship. So we actually just studied recently in Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 12, do you guys remember Jesus saying to his disciples, life is not found in the abundance of possessions? Remember that? So if the gospel takes root, then I stop looking for life in my stuff. I start to look for my life in him. And then lastly... In terms of how we relate to the world around us, I think we shift from tight-fisted living to generous living. So we stop walking around like this, just hanging on for everything for us, and we start to live like this. And we say, Lord, you've given me everything I have. How would you like to use it? And then I become a blessing to the people that are around me. Later in chapter 12, Jesus also said these words, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, I believe it's Eugene Peterson, but he says it this way, Our treasure leaves a trail where our heart is traveling. One more way to say that, and here's how I think we can think about it today. Remember, this is we're talking about a next step, not the step we took a year ago, but where we are today. What we do with what we have tells a story about what has the greatest hold on us. So just think about it. Big picture, like what we do with what we have, it actually tells a story. And that story is about what has the greatest 
hold on us? What directs our life, motivates us, controls us? And for me, that's a battle. I don't know about you, and it's interesting. The language of the Bible puts transformation in a context of conflict, of opposition. It uses athletic and military metaphors to help us understand what's happening inside and how that makes its way out. Activities like running and boxing and competition. Paul says fighting the good fight. Like all of that is in a context of conflict. And we resonate with that because we recognize there's an internal conflict, right? In Galatians 5, uh, Paul talks about uh, our flesh being opposed to the spirit and the spirit being opposed to the flesh so that we may not do what we want to do. Now, that's a strange kind of phraseology there, but it basically means that you and I want to do both. We want to do what the flesh says, and we want to do what the Spirit says, and we get to choose. And those two uh, influences are there to keep us from doing what the other wants. So we get to just decide moment by moment every day. Going to go with the flesh? Or go with the spirit. Conflict. That had to be why Paul prayed so fervently for the early church. He understood it about himself, but he understood it about the church. I want to point to a prayer that he prayed in 2 Thessalonians. I want to spend a moment here as we think about next steps as we think about this conflict, as we think about what has the greatest hold on us. Here's what uh, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. To this end, verse 11, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just break that down quickly. Paul persevered in pray. He says he always prayed for them. That, that's not like every second of every day, but it's this this just real steady, consistent, persistent prayer. And he prayed for three things. First of all, that God would make the Thessalonians worthy, not of their calling, but God's calling on their life. So that they would be better and better aligned with what God intended for them. That was his first prayer. Secondly, he prayed that God would fulfill their every resolve for good and their every work of faith. And how would he do that? With his power. So he's praying that God's power would be so active in their life that if they ever had a good intention, that they would follow through on that. That they would, they would take it to, to everywhere it needs to go. And that they would do that as a step of faith, trusting in him. And then lastly, he prayed that the name of the Lord Jesus would be glorified in them and they in him. So that 
as they were living their life, people would recognize the Lord Jesus in them, that they're submitted to him, that they're following him, that they're trusting in him. And then there is an exaltation that is associated with following Christ. We, we are sort of raised up to reflect his glory in our life, which is an esteem of sorts. Paul's praying for that. So just to sum it up, he was praying that God would make them fit, spiritually speaking, faithful, and God-honoring. And all of that according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it makes me ask a question, and I'm going to ask it with you as well. Think about this last year. Think about that first step you took, and now this next step that we're being invited to take. And let's think about those three prayers. How was your spiritual fitness over the last year? Secondly, did you faithfully act upon the good intentions and opportunities to live out your faith? When you think about this last year. Thirdly, overall, did you sense that God was consistently glorified in you and you in him? Now, let me be very clear. I don't ask those questions to shame you, depending on however you did over this last year. The, the whole point of asking those questions is to see what God wants us to see about the work that he wants to do in us in the next year. That's how it works. See, we're, we're where we are. We make decisions. We make choices, flesh or spirit. We start to walk, and it goes well or not so well or something in between. And then later down the road, we stop and we pause and we reflect and we invite God to, to show us once again, what's the next step? What adjustments do I need to make? And specifically, as we're talking about deep roots, how can I make room for the mission of God in my life today in a fresh way? One thing is for sure, as we're asking these challenging questions and thinking about God's intentions for us, there is a key ingredient we have to have, and that is endurance. Christians have to have endurance. And when you hear that word, I think we need to think perseverance, stamina, staying power, tenacity, because we live in a war zone. Spiritually speaking, all the time. So we need endurance. Uh, Hebrews 10.36, the writer of Hebrews says, You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, which you will do if you have endurance, you will receive what is promised. What a great encouragement. And what a great prayer request. Lord, give me endurance. I want it. I need it. It would be nice if the Christian life were just a one and done, wouldn't it? If we just had to take that first step and then we're good and we just coast to the finish line, wouldn't that be great? But it's not. I think Jeff mentioned last week that... that uh, the Christian life is a long obedience. This is one of our values in the same direction, right? 
Another one of our values is that life change is a way of life until the end of life. So we never stop changing. And in some ways, like, doesn't that just give us great relief? Like, I don't have to be perfect today. I don't have to be perfect tomorrow or next week or next year. All I got to do is grow. I just have to keep taking next right steps. And by God's grace, I can do that. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Here's what Paul says. One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's exertion. Think of an ultra runner. And they're about 100 miles into their run. And a whole lot of miles still left to go. But they're straining forward. They're pressing on by God's grace, staying at it. Here's what Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. He said, I have fought the good fight, Timothy. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, put your name in here, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's a promise to you, to motivate you to stay at it. Now, this last year was challenging. Uh, Kevin beautifully reminded us of some of the loss, maybe some of the lament that each of us have felt for different reasons. So we've been walking along. But that kind of season is a spiritual greenhouse. It really does allow us to grow in some ways that times of prosperity don't, don't necessarily offer. We're not saying that one is better than the other. Certainly one is easier than the other. But difficulty, suffering, trials give us a great opportunity to grow in amazing ways. We've had an opportunity, probably all of us, to evaluate our priorities over this last year. And we've had to say yes and no to some things that, honestly, we didn't even have to think about before now. I feel like in some ways we have renewed our commitment to this place, this facility, this campus being what we wanted it to be when we moved here to begin with. We called it common ground for connected lives. And when we thought about that, we thought there were three expressions. One was that this would be a place where we could cultivate the common ground that we share with each other as the body of Christ. Certainly, that's, that's what a church is for, right? For us to come together and cultivate this relationship that we have. But that's not all. It's also a place where we can share common ground with our city, and it's been so amazing to see 
weddings and funerals and athletic banquets and uh, just a lot of different things happening here that our city is able to benefit from. So we get to be a blessing because of a facility that we own. We're able to do that. And that's always been our heart and we believe that's God's heart for our physical property. And then lastly... We felt like this should be a place where we're equipped to find common ground with people who are far from God. So we're always on mission. When we leave here, it's not just that we're warm and blessed and everything's great and we get to go about our business and then come back here next week and do it again. But we leave here equipped, ready to share the faith that we have with people who are starving for life desperately need to hear the gospel. That's why Fellowship Bible Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee exists at this location. That's what it's about. Now, our facility has changed, hasn't it? The building is built. And Jeff mentioned last week, it'd be fair for us to just kind of go, okay, well, we're done with that. Let's kind of get back to it. Well, yeah, let's get back to it. Let's be on mission. What if we just filled this place again? What if we were having another conversation about making room for the mission of God? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because that would mean that God was adding to our number just like the early church week in and week out. I mean, what more could a church possibly want? than to have the redemptive influence it was created to have. I mentioned something recently in a little video I did um, that we gather to scatter and we scatter to gather. Did you guys catch that? I I love that for me because it just keeps me on target. So we gather in here. This is so sweet, isn't it? Just being together, worshiping God, honoring Him, rehearsing the gospel, doing all that. It's awesome. But the reason that we do that is to scatter, to go to where we live, work, and play, and bring that message of hope to people who don't have any hope. So we gather to scatter. And we scatter so that we can invite those people to come gather with us. And we come back together again. That's what this place is about. A church, doesn't, a church building doesn't make a church, right? It's just a tool. It's just a home base. It's just a place that we launch from to change our world, to be about cultivating connected followers of Christ. That's all this is about. So with facility expansion in mind. The building is built, but the project goes on. God still has some work to do in this thing we've called Deep Roots. And from a very practical standpoint, we asked everybody to think about funding the facility. And as we said, I don't know if you believe me or not, but it's not about the money. It really isn't about the money. It's about us, our hearts, our stuff, our life, that's what it's about. So when we ask some of these questions about what we're doing with what we have, what we're really doing is like a CT scan of the heart. 
And it makes room for God to do a work in us. And not only us as individuals, but us as a community of faith. Wouldn't it be great if Fellowship Bible Church were never the same, but for the better? That would be awesome. So there's this beautiful statement in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth as he was challenging them to make room for the mission. It, it was a, Again, it was a different problem, but he was asking them to make an adjustment in response to the Lord, and here's what he said. As you excel in everything, so apparently they were doing some wonderful things. Corinth was pretty messed up, but they were doing some good things. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. So you're excelling in all of those things. Here's one more thing I want you to excel in. This act of grace. Now, what was he talking about? He was talking about a financial collection that was being taken to help believers in Jerusalem who were suffering horribly because of persecution. So it was, it was a funding campaign. And he was asking them, I want you to excel in this just like you excel in every other aspect of following Christ. Because neither is better or worse than another. It's just all part of the deal. So I want you to excel in this as well. And as you do that, you will... By God's grace, you'll accomplish his purposes. And again, I just want to take you back to me in that church 45 years ago. That church didn't just appear there, and it certainly didn't stay there just by accident. <laughs> there, were, there are people, there were people, there are people that all kind of said, we're going to be a part of God's work right here, right now. We're just going to make ourselves available. We're going to make room for the mission of God. And their faithfulness, their obedience, touched the life of an eight-year-old boy. And I can speak about that authoritatively because I'm that boy. And I can tell you what God's done in my life all of these years, and it started there. And here's the deal, you guys. So Lots of stories, countless stories are starting here. And you may not be around to hear about it, but somebody somewhere is going to tell a story about what mattered to Fellowship Bible Church. Maybe 50, 100, 200 years from now. But is that awesome or what? That we might get to be a part of something like that. So I want to map out engagement for us over uh, this next week. Obviously, this is condensed. We took, I think it was eight weeks, beginning in January all the way through March, up into March, um, talking through deep roots. So I want to take us back to that. Um, if you're here in the auditorium, one of these brochures was on a, table, a chair nearby, so you can grab that. Love for you to take that with you if you don't already have one. Um, online, you can go to Deep Roots on our w website, and this and the digital version of this is there. But I want to give you three steps of engagement that we're asking every single person 
So even if you have just been pedaled to the metal with deep roots from day one, I, the leadership, we're asking you to go through this process once again and to see what God might have for you as a next step. So first of all, step one, earnestly pray. We always want to start with that, right? (laughs) We want to ask God, what do you want? Not what do I want, not what do my uh, leaders at church want, (laughs) but what do you want? Earnestly pray for God's wisdom and his heart for the world. And then as you're doing that and you're thinking about participating in Deep Roots from a funding perspective, we gave you some great categories to think in. And once again, this isn't a math calculation. This is a heart scan. We want to give with biblical priorities. Okay, so we literally go, God, how do you want me to give? We want to give proportionally, which means we don't all give the same. Because God has not given to us the same. So we just respond to him based on what he has done with and for us. We want to give passionately. So as we're praying, as we're earnestly praying, say, Lord, give me your heart your passion for a lost world. I want my giving to flow out of that, not out of a place of guilt, not out of a place of manipulation, not out of a place of obligation. I want to give with a heart of generosity because I've just been so blessed. Fourth, give with a heart to please God. I think of like a father with a little child and how easy it is for a little child to please the heart of God. You know? I I don't know that he's asking for these monumental expressions. I think he's just like, hey, if you'll just say yes to even the smallest, simplest of things, that delights the heart of God. He's thrilled by that. Lastly, give with an expectation of peace. I know in my own life that one of my best pathways to peace is obedience. So I just, when I give and I've asked the Lord and I just do what I think he told me to do, I I feel a great deal of peace. It's like I just kind of can go on to the next right step. So first of all, earnestly pray. Secondly, boldly prepare. Boldly prepare. Um. Here's some great questions to ask that will challenge you in terms of this specific step. Are you willing to say yes to God's leadership in a new step of faith? Um, We heard a, a guy last year talk about he always tries to put his yes on the table before God ever asks. Just like, like the answer is yes. So Lord, what's the question? And then responding that way. There's a lot of joy in that. And then just to practically think about if you were to respond today financially, what could you do and not even think about it? Like it's just like, yeah, we, we can do that. It's, it's there and we can do that. That's a great step. That's a good starter. Then to go, okay, Lord, do you want me to take another step? Do you want me to stretch in some way? that will require some faith from me that the other might not. That's not the way to decide. 
it's just a great question to ask, and it doesn't only relate again to our money. Time, talent, and treasure. So great questions to reflect upon. And I I do want to take us back to that idea of you may have taken a great first step a year ago. You may have been just kind of motoring right along and doing all that. But I promise you there's an opportunity for growth and change. I just accidentally bumped into uh, a thing I wrote in. uh, It was a file on my computer called Daddy Plan 2008. Okay, so by that time, I had been a dad since 1993. There we go. Whoa, almost lost that one. 93. So I don't know the math, but what is that, 15 years or something? So I've been a dad for 15 years. By that time, I got four kids. I've been being a daddy. But in 2008, I needed to make some serious adjustments. And so I, I bumped into that file, and I'm looking, I'm like, wow. I really did have to make some serious adjustments. And I'd been a dad for 15 years. So the length of time that we're doing whatever it is we're doing doesn't mean that we're exempt from change. So just ask the Lord, what's your deep roots plan for 2021? I promise you God has something beautiful for your life. See, I changed as a dad in 2008 because I invited him to help me grow. And I think the same thing applies here. Lastly, step three is to joyfully invest. And I promise, I I don't apologize for asking you to invest in God's kingdom. You're not investing in my kingdom. This church isn't mine. And it's not the elders. It's not the staff. It's God's. And we are all stewards of his expression of the kingdom at Fellowship Bible Church. So if I ask you to invest, I think I'm just telling you what God would would say. He's just saying to all, me included, joyfully invest in the kingdom. Now, let me give you some information, super encouraging. And uh, it, it really does, it's a cause for celebration over this last year. The cost of our project, we thought initially, this is when we said yes to the project, we thought it was going to be $2.2 million. That's the price tag. 1.7, half a million less. And we made some adjustments in terms of our, our construction schedule and all of that, but I think we already told you guys it was well under budget and way ahead of schedule. So amazing savings there. A year ago, our community of faith pledged $925,000. Just so you know, we gave... 350 just in this last year. Great progress. Now, we also had some money in the bank that we put toward this project. So, as of this Sunday, we have given 43% of that 925,000 after one year. Yes, that's absolutely. Let's celebrate that. That's awesome. Now, um, 
If we do the 925, that leaves us with 575 on the cost of the project. So that's our giving goal. That's what we have left. And whatever we are able to commit above and beyond that 925, whether that's through increased giving or new giving or whatever, then that number just goes down. So if you move down the page there, phase one financing, that was the loan that we had on our original project. By the time we finish our three-year Deep Roots campaign, that's what will be left, 1.175. So then whatever's left from this expansion, we we're projecting if we meet that 925, we'll owe 1.75 on probably what is about a $5 million facility. So pretty encouraging after, at this point, six years. Very encouraging, and that'll be after nine. So um, whatever we do in our next step reduces that number at the bottom. That's where we are. That's the problem, and that's the solution. Here's what, what I want to ask you to do, and this will be kind of our so what for the next week. We're going to do a week-long so what. How does that sound? Um, you should have had a, a commitment card on a seat near you. So every household, we want you to grab this card. Um, online, we will have this card digitally available at our website. Um, we're also going to do a text-in option so that you can complete this card. And here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday will be our commitment Sunday, just like we did a year ago. Next Sunday is going to be a commitment Sunday. And here's what that means for us. Everybody still participates. Even if you've already committed, and you'll see from these options, everybody, we want you to respond um, using this card. Okay? So let me run through these very quickly. Um, obviously, there's contact information and all that. On the back, there's four boxes, four options to respond. The first is, I am, we are committed to fulfilling my or our original pledge amount. So whatever, if I'm just going to throw out a number. So if you said uh, we're going to give $10,000 a year ago, then you're just going to put $10,000 on that line and just say our commitment then is still our commitment and we're going to fulfill it. That's a great option. Okay, that's the first one. The second one is we'd like to increase our original pledge. So if we pledge $10,000 but we think, you know, we could do twelve now, regardless of how much you've given, just put twelve on that line. Just If there's an increased pledge, just put whatever that total amount is, regardless of what you've given. Hope that makes sense. Next is, and I know this is a reality, some of you may say, Whatever we pledged a year ago, for whatever reason, lost job, health concerns, just financial hardship, whatever it is, you go, you know what, we need to dial that back. We're, we, we just literally are not able to give what we thought we could. And guys, you just need to know that is okay. Please know that. I would so much rather you give very little consistently than to give not at all because you can't meet some pledge amount that you wrote down a year ago. Because that just means you're not engaging in the process. So, and honestly, let's have a conversation about it. There, like, 
There's no shame in this. It's just like we're just all doing our part, whatever that is. And if it needs to be smaller, so be it. But please tell us. That just helps us plan. Okay? So if you need to decrease, we'll just use that same number. If it it was 10,000, you go, we need to drop that to five. Then just write five on that line. Okay? Check that box and just write that. It's okay. Love to see you fulfill that five over two years. That'd be awesome. That'd be a huge win. And then lastly, there are some of you that either did not participate when we did this a year ago, or you're new. Like you came here in the last 12 months, and this is all news to you. So if you're a new giver, if you want to begin participating, that's the fourth box. And then you can just calculate it's a 24-month pledge versus a 36, which is what we all did a year ago. Okay? So fulfill what you already committed. Increase, decrease, or begin. Those are the four options that we want you to prayerfully consider this week. Next Sunday, we'll have an option for you to either fill this card out and turn it in physically here on on our campus or do it online digitally. Either way is fine, but we really want to hear from every single person. Okay? Okay. Guys, thank you so much for being the body of Christ. You have been that in my life. And that's been especially true over the last couple weeks. And uh, you have been that for years in this community. So thank you for doing that. And I can't wait to see what God does with us in the days ahead. All right? Stand with me. Let me pray for us as we leave. Father in heaven, um, as we sang, you are the king of heaven. And we stand today, as we sang, in Christ alone. He is the only reason that we have life of any kind. So, Lord, we're grateful. Lord, help us, whatever our next right step is, Lord, help us to take it by grace, through faith. And then, Lord, would you use our steps to accomplish your purposes in the days ahead. Pray that in Jesus' name.